Hello and welcome back to the True North Canadian Football Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Leach. You can follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Leach CFL. I'm Taylor Curry, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Taylor Curry SK. And I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington and on Twitter at CJK underscore Carter. Don't forget to check out the podcast socials. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at True North CF Pod and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can also listen to the show on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So let's jump into our news for this week. We got a big headliner. Kenny Lawler, arguably the league's top receiver, was arrested this week with a DUI. So I'll leave that to our resident bomber expert, Carter Kennington. Um, yeah, the um well, I got the wrong podcast information up. Sorry, I'm, <laughs> I'm working off of two two forms, but anyway. Um yeah, Kenny Lawler gets arrested. Um he has already stood before the media and like apologized and all that. Um, Mike O'Shea has said that they have suspended him for this game. They're benching him for this game against the Edmonton Elks. However, they have not stopped him from going to practice. They think that would be more destructive for Kenny than being actually like a, you know, like they think it's helpful for him to be around the guys and actually like have something to do every day versus just sitting at home staring at a wall contemplating, which I agree with. Um, but overall, I think the Bombers have handled the situation very well. Kenny Lawler did a great job with just making sure that it didn't stay hidden. Um, I don't condone his actions. I don't think anybody should. But um, in terms of going about it properly after the fact, I think it was done in the proper way. Yeah, I just I, I kind of want to piggyback on that for a sec. Like I thought back to like the Greg Ellingson situation and the Charleston Hughes situation in Regina. Like they weren't handled like this. Like the fact that Kenny Lawler went to the team right away and stuff like that showed that he was like, Oh, like I made a mistake. And like, it's really good that they have him at practice and stuff. Like the way that they're handling this is really good. I think I I hate that people are saying the league should step in and punish him more, which like, I don't think is the case. Like they should not do that at all. But yeah, I I think they're handling it really well too. Part of me. Uh, initially when I heard that practice with the team thing, I was like, he shouldn't be there because that negates the punishment, but it makes sense because obviously you want him around people in a situation like that. He does have substance abuse issues, then Yeah, you want him him to be like being in the group of guys can help with that. And and he's said that it has. He said that like the group, like the team has been nothing but supportive. So that's good. And then what else was there that I was going to say? But yeah, that's a good thing. And then I don't know if the league should suspend him extra games. I don't think they should do that. But I think just for optics purposes, maybe you find him. But I wouldn't go further than that, given he's already suspended a game. And then I mean, maybe but, if you want to set uh, just if you want to set the precedent. But I yeah. don't know. Like it's, it's should just, already kind yeah. of be there though yeah with like it being illegal and stuff you know? usually yeah. it's like a one game for this kind of thing and it's like he's already suspended one game so well, like you know. i don't think charleston got suspended did he i think the, uh, the team, team the team sat him it's the same yeah. it's the exact same situation the yeah. team sat him for a game and then greg ellingson's was and the I'm, off season and i don't think they did anything there he I'm paid sure, the fine and walked away. i'm sure that the league 
looks at what the team is doing and i'm sure like they aren't working on their own like i'm sure the league is looking at that and they're taking the fact that the bombers have already suspended him for a game and they're taking that into consideration exactly for sure and let's jump into our next piece of news and i have it on our google doc that we're reading off of here that the Edmonton Elks are the Washington football team of the CFL, and I don't mean that by just the name change. Uh, if you look at what Washington is known for in the NFL, one of the things is horrible ownership. And we have a couple stories about uh, the Elks and what they're doing, so I'm going to let Taylor explain that. Well, <clears throat> yeah, there's just been some stuff going around. Um, Eddie Steele... Uh, former rider, former Elk, uh, Grey Cup winner with the Edmonton Elk back in the day when they were the Eskimos. Um, he was one of their color commentators for the games and on the radio and stuff in Edmonton, and they fired him because he uh, he talked bad about Brock Sutherland. And I, a lot of people aren't feeling good about Brock Sutherland right now. There's a lot of talk that there is a lot of divide in the locker room between ownership and players or coaches and ownership. Like, there's just... There's a lot of divide right now. Like, there's even talks that Brock Sutherland banned Joey Moss from the locker rooms there, which is just seems unacceptable. Like, he's a staple in that city and an icon. Like, as big as Gretzky in Edmonton, you could say. Like, people know who Joey Moss is there. And, uh, yeah, so it's just, it's it's been a really bad week. And, I mean, hasn't been an easy season for them already with their COVID disaster that they had earlier in the year with players and their wives. And, uh, yeah, like, it just... It, it seemed like I hope that they do something about this because Brock Sutherland just seems like he's tearing this team apart on paper. Everyone had them like at the top of the league almost for the start of the season. And they have not been able to do anything with all these names they've signed. And I don't think there's a problem with the players. I think it's somewhere else and it's affecting everything, like every aspect of their game. Um, I'm going to take this. Uh, I'm going to focus more on the uh, Eddie Steele situation because I myself am a news writer hoping to become a CFL analyst for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And the fact that he spoke his mind and analyzed the situation and came up with his conclusion and got fired for it is just so backwards. And it makes me irritated because it makes me not want to fully put down, like if I'm writing an editorial piece, which for those who don't know news terms, that's saying like a piece that um, I have like a basically opinionated piece. Um, I don't, it makes me not want to do that. It makes me not want to do that. If I, if like I'm doing something like that, or if I'm like a Bob Irving, who's the bombers news guy, it makes me not want to talk bad about the team for fear of getting fired. But if the team's doing bad, what are you supposed to say? Like, right? Yeah. Like, there are certain things on the different CFL-affiliated radio stations that you definitely can and can't say. Like, uh, Taylor and myself have heard kind of stories with the organization, and let's just say we heard, we know the reason why <laughs> the previous host of the Sports Cage was fired, and it's a very similar situation. Except the one there was closed door, and we're not going to expose what was said, but it was a yeah, criticism I, of ownership that got back to the team, and that's why they were let go. 
I, I will say, uh, I listened to Farhan Lalji and Derek Taylor talk a little bit about this today, and they said, like, I mean, if Derek Taylor said something about Craig Reynolds right now, like, negative, he probably would lose his job, you yeah. know what I mean? And that, that'll happen in almost any market if you can. Like, you're there to promote, not to make people look away, but he wasn't, like, he wasn't wrong. He was saying there was a major divide in the locker room, and it starts from the top up at Brock Sutherland, the way he conducts business, and ever since COVID, they've had this divide and separation there. So like, I don't think it was wrong. What like, or sorry, I don't think it's wrong what he said and he shouldn't have got fired for it. I get like, maybe be like, Hey, don't talk crap about our team, but like, you don't have to fire him over it. Yeah. But you know, in radio stations like that, where you're officially affiliated, you're expected to kind of kiss the ring a little bit. Thankfully. Oh we, yeah. We aren't here. We can say what we want, but I mean, yeah, just <laughs> we stuff. About to say what we want. Yep, just keep Anyways. it PG. Just keep it. That's my only rule. <laughs> is keep it PG. But yeah, when when you're in that uh, that position, you kind of have to be careful what you say, and it's a, just an unfortunate situation. And then let's jump to our next piece of news: Jordan Williams Lambert, the Riders' receiver, is out for the year. Lucky Whitehead is out two to four weeks with a broken hand. Uh, and Related news to both of those, the Lions have signed uh, Devere Posey, who was released by Hamilton, and the Riders have signed former Edmonton Elk and Buffalo Bill Duke Williams to a one-year deal. So, yeah, yeah, that was those are both big signings for those teams. It's going to be interesting mm-hmm. to oh, see what happens. Absolutely. Um, the one thing I did hear today was that Edmonton was in talks with Duke Williams and Devere Posey, apparently, too. <laughs> and uh, BC was trying to get in on the talks on Duke Williams as well after Lucky Whitehead got hurt. But once he went off the board, they went to Posey. So, uh, well, Posey's yeah. a great dude to fill that spot. And then he oh, Lucky Whitehead comes back having the trio of them, uh, of those two and Brian Burnham, and then the rest of the receiving core around that. Cause I'm sure there's a name I'm missing. That's why well, I was, yeah. I was going to say Dominic Rhymes has been kind of underperforming this year there so far. So it'll be a good, like, like get your butt moving or like you're, you're going to have to go cause Devere Posey's here and he will take your spot in a heartbeat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the riders, obviously with Jay will out, they need, uh, and Shaq's been out for a long time. They, they really do need some help of American receiver and, Duke Williams is probably the best one in the market, so that was an excellent get by them. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go into our game recaps here. The Bombers down the Lions 30 to 9. So what are our thoughts on Whitehead playing through his hand injury? Well, it was uh funny enough, I was listening to the sports cage again and they talked about it. It was they did their x-rays and they were waiting for it, but they kind of sent him back out there and they were like, let's see how bad it is. And they attempted one throw and it was like, no go. So he was just a decoy out there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it made it worse, but it's definitely a huge hole to fill on their offense. Now that he's gone for two to four weeks, at least. This was the, probably the dumbest thing I've ever seen in a football game. Like (laughs) this was so moronic to put him back out on the field. Anybody with eyes could tell that he wasn't going to be a credible threat on the field as soon as he stepped on with his hand being in that condition. Like, 
I understand the idea of him being a decoy, but like, I don't think that's the case. I don't think anybody's going to look at him and be like, oh yeah, Mike Riley trusts that. Yeah. You know? it's like, <laughs> like I, I just, I don't see it. And he's trying to like catch it into his body. Like dude, whitehead with one hand is not better than a backup BC Lions receiver with two hands. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, yeah. how do you feel if you're the backup receiver in that case? I would be livid. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, this guy has a broken hand and you have him out there over me. Exactly. Yeah. Holy crap, that was... I get that BC's bruised up a receiver, but look, the, the guy you got that's behind Whitehead is... Better than a one-armed whitehead, probably. Like, the only... Is there any receiver, NFL or CFL, that you would trust one arm over a backup? Shaq like, Griffin. Shaq. That's a <laughs> linebacker, but I mean... Fair point. Fair point. He's caught interceptions. I, I, I was going more the route of, like, an OBJ, but that works as well. I was going more literal. Yeah. <laughs> And then let's talk about this. Is the BC defense underrated? Because in that game, they kind of they held the Bombers for a really long time, but the the BC offense just didn't do anything with it. So, what do well, we think of BC's defense? Yeah, I was just gonna say, uh, like I can't remember the last time Zach Claros threw over four hundred yards in a game. I so. think it's only the third time in his career. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it's uh, I'm not impressed by them, uh, by by their defense at all right now. Uh, they put up thirty, like they got thirty points put up against them, and uh, yeah, just not not the best. So I don't, uh, yeah, I I don't have any. I uh, sorry, they are not underrated for sure. That's my opinion. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna go with that four hundred, but I'll throw a different number out there as well. Um, in total yards. Winnipeg dropped 500, over 500 on BC. Jeez. So there you go. I just, I can't see it. Like, you know, yeah, Winnipeg's defense is stout and your defense is going to have to, like, come correct. But, like, 30 points? No, not good enough for any uh, team. I just, the last time Zach Claros threw 400 yards was 2016 against Calgary. Wow. Back when he was a Tiger Cat. Yeah. yeah. So it's been a minute and they let him do that. So, yeah. Fair dude, enough. I remember man. when they first brought in Masoli, dude. That was a wild time. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get into our next point. This Sitting one. Sitting back and getting ready for this. Yeah. We okay. were just doing this uh, right before the pod recording and. There, there's been a lot of articles because we're midway through the season about who is the favorite for what award, and we feel like someone's getting disrespected. So, yep. who better to let um, than Bomber's expert, friend of this person, go on a rant? So, Carter, so take it away. I will. I will preface with what I am about to say with yes, I know Jackson Jeffcoat. He is a good dude. He is a good friend of mine. That being said, he is being so severely underlooked for any awards this year that it's almost becoming a point of comedy to me as I see guys like Willie Jefferson and Adam Bighill being promoted over Jackson Jeffco, who both are doing less on the stat sheet. It blows my mind. Like going into the MOP watch on Three Down Nation, this is absolutely ridiculous here. Like you have 
what is a Willie Jefferson at number two? You're saying that he's the second best player in the entire league. Literally, the dude playing the exact same position in it with, as him in the exact same team is performing better. The only difference is that Willie Jefferson has one interception this year, which honestly, linemen getting interceptions are kind of, you know, like it can happen as consistently for him as you want. You're always going to have an air of a fluke to it. Um, going yeah, to the exactly. CFL stats, you go to Jackson Jeffcoat versus Willie Jefferson here with me. Um, seven more defensive tackles, um, tied with sacks, um, leading with, has an extra forced fumble. Yeah, Jefferson has a fumble recovery, but that doesn't mean nearly as much, um, compared to other players in the league. I saw Simone Lawrence get some attention on it, but to go to the league leaders tab on the, uh, on the CFL website, it's ridiculous here. Uh, let me go to the league leaders. Um, I got to scroll. Excuse me here. Forced fumbles. Jackson Jeffco against the Toronto Argonauts had three forced fumbles. In second yes. place is Willie Jefferson with three forced fumbles the whole season. Jeez. If, if that doesn't me? speak. Yeah. Like if that doesn't speak volume right yeah. there, then you don't see it. Yeah. That's that's ridiculous. He's got. And he wasn't given any. He hasn't received a single player of the week award yet. Oh, my God. Seriously. He has not been in any of the top threes. CFL's got to put some respect on his name. It's holy. Yeah. Like, like I thought for a while that some of the CFL people were kind of taking it easy on like awards when they were giving it every year to Stanley Bryant, because it's hard (laughs) to find stats for, for offensive linemen, right? You kind of just go, you go, who's the leader of the best offensive lineman overall? Right. That's what you do. Yeah. But like when you're looking at a defensive lineman or the defense in general, you have so much more to look at stat wise. You have sacks, you have pressures. He, Jackson Jeffco is second in tackles for loss behind, I believe it's um, Charleston Hughes. Um, I need to, I would need to double check that, but whoever's in first has seven. He has five and he's second. He's in sole possession of second with that. He is top two in majority of defensive categories, and he is first in forced fumbles. And the fact that he is on nobody's radar for defense or for most outstanding defensive player is a joke. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, I'll just like from a Ryder fan's perspective, sorry, we have uh, Jonathan Woodard, who's been having a great season, but I would not put him anywhere near what Jackson Jeffcoat's been doing. Like, and I can't believe that. He's not even in contention for some people. Like I'll, it's un, it's unfathomable. Like I'll say, there should there should be a conversation. No, there should be a conversation. I don't think it's super super cut and dry. I'm just annoyed at the fact that Jackson Jeffcoat is getting zero recognition for the effort that he's putting in this season. Honestly, yeah, exactly. it's borderline disrespectful to Jeffcoat that he is not getting much consideration. And I saw some posts that had. Willie Jefferson and Adam Big Hill's nominations for most outstanding defensive player, not him. It's like that's casual fan behavior, man. Come on, guys are supposed to be the experts. Like, what do you people doing? see? People see Winnipeg defense going strong, and they're like, "Oh, that has to be Willie Jefferson and Adam Big Hill." There's nobody else on that defense who's any good. It's like, are you kidding me? Use your eyes. Yep, and that's how you tell that we watch the games and these guys don't. So there you it's go. So so. So annoying. Mm-hmm. Now let's... But, oh yeah. Oh, sorry. Just the last piece. I wanted to say this before uh, before something else uh, happened and led the conversation another way. There should be conversations here. 
Um, I think that Willie Jefferson and Jonathan Woodard have both had really good seasons. But again, it is simply the fact that we I personally feel like Jeff Code is not getting his due this year. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump to our next segment. Uh almost going into overtime if it were not for a field goal that was just short. Montreal defeated Hamilton in a nail biter. 23 to 20. And we're going to talk about Zoli's performance, who's finally starting over David Watford. Is he washed? Uh, No, I don't think he's washed. That was like his first game since week two, I think. So he's just going to be rusty coming back. And this just like it's a different year. And like, you know, he was hurt last year. Dane Evans played and he's just kind of been sitting by. So I think it'll take him some time to get back into rhythm. Uh, I don't think he's washed because even like Hamilton's still at the top of the league in the East. Sorry. Um, So like, you know, he's got a pretty good starting point for himself to like to ride on right now. So if he keeps going, I know it was a loss, but if he keeps playing, uh, yeah, they can get some wins together and be competitive at least for sure. Uh, Yeah. um, Just. Sorry, this is the uh, this is the Masoli topic. I'm yep. recovering from everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't think Masoli is washed. Um, I think that like everybody is gonna have comebacks come against them. Like at the end of the day, I do think Hamilton nine times out of ten win that game. But this just happened to be the time where it didn't happen. Um. I like Masoli. I feel like he's had some injury troubles. I hope he doesn't become more injury prone as things go on. That was kind of like the big thing when he first started was that he was pretty durable in comparison to Zach Caleros. But then again, you put a a piece of paper beside Zach Caleros and then that thing was pretty strong. (laughs) So, um, you know, disrespect, but you know, uh, I don't, I don't think he's washed, but I I just don't think he's got it this year, but yeah, I think he's, I, I don't, I wouldn't call him washed per se. I don't think he's done quite yet, but he's he's starting to enter the conversation for me. He's not he's not there yet, but he's like, is he or isn't he right now? Because the first two weeks he looked it, and then Dane Evans came in and started lighting it up for this team. So he comes back this year, and he looks a lot better than he did week one, week two, but at the same time, he doesn't win the game. So for me, he's not washed, but... Let, let's see what happens next game. And then, but, is the fact that this game close a concern for Montreal? Uh, win's a win. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Honestly, fair. I was going to say this is not a concern at all for Montreal because it was the fact that they did come back for this game. Exactly. It yep. makes it look even more stronger for them. Exactly. Yeah, and like when they look back at the end of the season, they're not going to be like, ooh, that was a close one. It's That was a W. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, as Luke Molander would say, there are no asterisks in the Canadian Football League, so Montreal, you're good. Exactly. <laughs> and then, in probably the shocker of the week, Calgary managed to down the Riders 23-17. So... Let's ask this question. How far can Saskatchewan realistically go with their penalty issues? Uh, same place as last year. They will 
maybe host a playoff game and then they will lose because uh, that's when it gets real. And uh, if you're still having bad penalties, like like just the 15 yarders that are killers that for no reason after the play or something like that. Yeah. You're not going to get far with that. You, you don't ever get really far with that. So they really have to put like a, a tighter grip on that because it's, yeah, it's not going to work out in your favor in the end. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, it's so unfortunate for like for a team like Saskatchewan because they do have enough talent to win the Grey cup. They were probably them and Hamilton were the most likely favorites to win the Grey Cup, I'd say, at the start of the year. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'd say that's who everybody was expecting to kind of see. And it's just unfortunate because you'll see these situations where they'll get great plays. They had two, like, they had to redo their onside kick because of a penalty. <laughs> they've had, yeah. they've had touchdown passes thrown, like, when they're on defense where they really don't have to put hands on the guy, but they do. It's just like, it's weird. And I feel like that's going to really come to bite them. And yeah, I think they might not even get to the final, like the West final, if they if this happens and they come across like a hot BC. Yeah. For me, as a Ryder fan, my biggest concern is the offensive line, but a fast number two is the extracurriculars after the whistle need to stop. Because it's something that's been a problem virtually the entire season, and Supposedly, Craig has talked to the players about this. Uh, I think he might need to talk to them again a bit, a little bit more sternly this time because this cannot continue. This should have been done, you know, the first couple weeks in the year. We're mid-season, and this is still a problem. Like, I don't know what he has to do to make the players listen. Maybe make them run laps for every yards of penalties they take, but. Something extreme like that to get them to smarten up and hopefully we we stop seeing those, but they just yeah, I don't know. They just they gotta do something. But here's the thing. Here here okay. Nick Marshall, here's my example. This man's got NWA tattooed on his neck. I like I don't know. I don't know if he's much with the uh the authority and like he's gonna do what he wants to do. That's fine, you, know you run I mean? fifteen yards around the field. Or 15 laps so. around the field. That's fine. Yeah. Yep. And then yeah, let's see if you still want to keep making those stupid plays. <laughs> but let's do their our next, to- not next topic, but next little point here. Is Calgary back? I heard a lot of that during the week. Uh, yeah, and that's like, I don't know if they were like, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, it's early to call. They got one win. They play Sask two more times in a row. Or for the Riders at least. So yeah, I'm I'm not sure if they're back. It, it could have been one game, and the Riders win the next two against them. So we'll we'll see. Like if they take the season series with these games, then I'll say yes. But if they don't, then I don't think they are, and they're going to sit near the bottom for the remainder of the season. Yeah, I mean, I have them pretty high up in my power rankings, just because my power rankings I like to have them be really fluid like it's very easy to go up and down because that's what a power ranking should be otherwise you're just making glorified standings you know yeah yeah um so i don't i wouldn't call them back but like they just seem to have that sort of like they can surprise people and like let's be real calgary is one of two teams to beat saskatchewan and honestly they probably should have beaten winnipeg earlier in the season when they were playing in winnipeg like 
it's yeah. they're close. It's just a lot of things have just been unfortunate for them. Is Calgary back? I don't know, but Bo is. Bo looked real, and I don't think they win this game if Saskatchewan is healthy, just because for starters, that offense they started okay, but they basically shut down until the very end of the fourth quarter of that game for Saskatchewan because. Again, Cody just doesn't have time to get the ball out because you're starting Brett Boyko at tackle. So it's just that that's an issue, penalties, but for me, uh Calgary is not back, but Bo is. And then can we expect Saskatchewan to bounce back this week? Uh yeah, I think so. It's a home game. Uh, should be pretty full there, and uh, yeah, like I think the Riders will be itching to get another win on the board. So, uh, and we've uh, we've we've played pretty well at home this year. So yeah, I think that just continues for sure. I mean, I think that Saskatchewan's going to come out with like a renewed fire because they know they're they're the only team that can realistically catch Winnipeg, and depending on how Winnipeg performs, they might not even be able to. But because yep. uh, currently the current set of the league right now is that if the Bombers go 4-2, and two, they get first, regardless of how anybody else finishes. There so, you go. And, and if, if Saskatchewan loses, that number goes down to 3 for Winnipeg. So I think they're going to come out really hot, especially just losing to Calgary. They're going to they're gonna be like, you know what? Revenge time. We know we can beat them. They were lucky to get those couple scores at the beginning, and we'll just make sure that we're locked down to start, and we'll be good to go. True. Alex Leatherwood is back and healthy, so that's a plus. So Boyko is not starting to tackle, and yeah, I just think Riders being at home, I think, is a huge boost for them, and I think they come out with the win this week. And then, since we are recording on, I believe this is Wednesday, yep, uh, we just had a game, Toronto destroyed the Red Blacks, 35-16. So, what do we think of Caleb Evans' second start? Uh, it honestly went exactly how I expected it to go. Uh, first game, nobody had film on him, didn't really know what to expect. And uh, the Argos studied this week, and they seem to have got to him pretty good with two pick sixes and another pick, and uh, he was sacked a few times. So, yeah, uh, like I don't think he played the worst, because, I mean, he still threw over 300 yards, but definitely... Lots of room to improve. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm. I was watching his. Uh, I almost called him Dane Evans. <laughs> um, but he looked like um, it was weird because he looked conf- confident, and then a pick, and then another one, and then what? Another one? Three? Yep. Yeah. It's just like. Yeah, I think okay, it quick. was. I think it was growing pains. It was like you know. I think he may have gotten a bit too confident after one win. Um, but nope, CFL's strong competition, and I think he learned that tonight. Yeah. I'm sorry, I want to say the Argos scored three touchdowns in eight minutes. Yep. Like that that's how fast it happened. Some of I that mean, was Argo special defense, teams and picks. Yeah. The Argo defense pulled uh pulled twenty nine points on fantasy. Oh yeah. Don't remind what me. Week. I didn't start them. Uh I wish I did though. But for me, what do I think of Caleb Evans? second start. I think it was a rookie second start. That's what it looked like. You could tell that Chris Jones definitely did his homework and 
was doing some old Chris Jones tricks of dropping back defensive linemen, and we saw that obviously it had an effect on Caleb Evans. There was a lot of pass deflections at the line, and even an interception from a D lineman. So I think that Chris Jones was just being Chris Jones, and yeah, I think he'll he'll get better, but at the same time, it is what it is. And then. Does Duck Hodges get his shot soon for Ottawa? Uh, I don't see how they couldn't even just give him a shot. It's not anything against Caleb Evans. It's just if you have him for especially this long, there's no way that you're not going to try him out. So I bet we'll be seeing him sooner than later in Ottawa. Um, hmm. I think you give Evans this upcoming game, or actually, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe you specifically don't, just because, you know, Wednesday and then Monday you got another game. Like, maybe he's not going to be ready. Maybe he's not going to be either mentally or, like, just physically drained after yeah. Um, yeah. after a game like that. So, who knows? It might happen on Monday. But we'll point. have to, yeah, we'll see, because it's, like, it's weird, right? You got to go back, and it's, like, the next day you're right back practicing. It's weird. Yeah. For me, if I'm Ottawa, what I do is I dress uh Duck and Caleb for the for the next game, and then you let Evan start and if he's having trouble again, throw Duck in there. But otherwise just have him be the short yardage guy and let him Because the difference between Evans and Hodges is you will not see some of those rookie mistakes that you saw from Caleb Evans to, uh, today in Duck Hodges because he's been there and done that in the NFL where he's had for a long time starting, so he knows what it's like under the lights, whereas Caleb Evans, this is really his first time doing it. So I feel like you're going to see a lot less mistakes from Hodges if he gets to play, but... Again, we'll see, because Johnny Manziel threw five picks his first game, so who knows. And then, let's jump into our next point. Charleston Hughes was a healthy scratch for this game, so... And he has not been productive this year, so my question is, is this the end of the road for Charleston Hughes? Uh, I don't think it's the end of the road, but, uh... It's definitely uh it's definitely odd because he wasn't listed as like an injured player this week or anything. And uh just for him to be like a last minute scratch, they had him third on the depth chart and then they healthy scratched him. It just seems odd and he was at the game, so it's not like there was a family thing going on. So uh I don't know if it's the end, but they I think maybe too they really wanted to see what Shane Ray could do. But uh yeah, it just it seems really odd to have him not playing when you're especially when you're paying him that much and for what he's supposed to be doing. I think it's the beginning of the end. I don't think he's going to be done right after this season, but his best days may be behind him. Also, um, to go back on what I was talking about um, with the uh, tackles for loss thing, it was uh, Micah Johnson, not Charleston Hughes, who has Ah. seven uh, tackles for loss. Oh, there you go. Yeah, you can void that. Um, But... um, I just find it weird, like, you know, he really did dip out out of nowhere, you know? Yeah, like, he's been dominant for so long, and to think, I don't even think he has a sack yet this year, so... He got one against, uh, 
okay. last game, but it was like the guy was tripping. Okay, so he's got one. But like we're used to seeing him be so dominant, it's you know, we saw John Bowman uh unceremoniously retire in the gap year we had in twenty twenty and we didn't see that with Charleston, but I think maybe after this year he might consider a career coaching. Because like he's just been so dominant for so long, you want to go out on top. So that's probably what I would look to do. And let's jump into our power rankings. So for me, I have Winnipeg number one still, Toronto number two, Saskatchewan three. EC4, Montreal 5, Calgary 6th, Hamilton 7th, Ottawa 8th, and Edmonton is in the basement. As they should be right now. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah, mine's looking uh, fairly similar. I got Winnipeg, Toronto, and Sask at 1, 2, 3. Uh, Montreal, BC, Hamilton at 4, 5, 6. Um, and I got Calgary, Ottawa, Edmonton for seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, just uh, Calgary did get the win. They were in seventh for me last week, so they did move up. But uh, yeah, Edmonton just knows, does not look good inside or out right now. So I think they're at the bottom of the barrel this week for sure. Um, I've got Winnipeg at number one. I've got Toronto second, moving up by default, baby. We got <laughs> um, we got Saskatchewan in third. So all of our top threes are the same. But I actually have, um, I realize now that I've probably thrown them a bit high, but I don't care. I've got Calgary at four. They are one of two teams to beat Saskatchewan. That's why. And they should have beaten Winnipeg in week three. I'm not sure what week it was. But anyway, um, then I've got Montreal in fifth, BC in sixth, Hamilton in seventh, Ottawa in eighth, and Edmonton in ninth. And I'm trying to find a witty joke for how bad their uh, their management is for it, but I just can't come up with anything on the spot. Fair enough. And then let's jump and see if how fantasy we're gonna do what we did last week, because unfortunately we didn't have time to prepare the fantasy for this week, so we're just gonna go through the page here and we're gonna say names, not amounts. I think that just wastes time. So uh, viable quarterback options this week. Oh, man. Uh, Macbeth and Caleb Evans have already played, so they're off the board. I'm gonna say Zach Kolaros and potentially, uh, what's-his-face from... Uh, oh, yeah, the Elks. Uh, Cornelius. No, nope. Trevor, Trevor Harris is starting. Playing. Yeah, oh, Harris so is back. confirmed. Okay, yeah, yep. just, yeah this guy was his injured still here, but yeah, no, yeah, um, they've confirmed that they're gonna be bringing him back in. Good deal. All right, so but yeah, the only real option is Laros. Well, you could... only if if you got if you got either uh, if you got either of the quarterbacks from today's game, um, yeah. which is the Ottawa Toronto game. If you got either of them locked in before then they're decent picks as well because, you know, you're getting two games out of a quarterback. I like exactly. Caleb Evans because you're getting two games for... You're getting a quarterback t- for essentially, um, quick math here, uh, 37.50 a game. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, same as, like, MBT. He had 13 points tonight, and he cost 14000 So, I mean, only $7,000 for a quarterback this week isn't that bad. Exactly. And then let's jump to running backs. I'm just looking here. James Wilder is a good option. 
uh, stand back. Did not pick D. Oh, I'm just sorry. If you did not pick DJ Foster, you messed up. That yep. man had yeah. a game tonight. True. I picked him. Yep. And he's got a second one too. Exactly. I initially had Wilder and Stanback, but then I said, "Nope, I'm gonna switch it to DJ Foster," and it paid off. So there you go. I've got um, I've got Foster, and I'm going back to the well. You know who it is? <laughs> oh, no. um, Calgary. Oh, it's no. Kadeem Carey. Baby. Oh, there I, you go. I have him too this week, so hopefully you're not a bad omen, Carter. Yeah, uh, yeah I probably had, am, he, but we'll he see. had ten points last week, so it could have been worse. And then I got Stanback also, I think is a good option. William Powell, I'm not sure. Anthony Coombs did okay. John Thomas Erlington against Toronto? Maybe? No. No, that defense looked good tonight. All right. That's I mean, they'll be a, they might be a little sluggish, but uh, they should yeah. still do pretty good. See, I had Braylon Hassan do last week. Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. 70 yards. Yeah. Not bad, but not, not worth it at 10K. Let's see. How was RJ here? Oh, okay, yeah, two games. Never mind. I was gonna say what? But... See, but that that Braylon Addison could be worth it though if it's Mazzoli at home. You know, it's their first time clicking at home. Braylon Addison is Mister Consistent. He was my favorite receiver in 2019, but this year oh, he's he just priced too much. So I'm just looking. Duke Williams isn't playing this week, so just straight up ignore that. Well, I mean, the CFL people aren't going to hear this, but they really need to step up their game with fantasy. Like, the game's on Saturday, and they don't even have Naaman Roosevelt as an option yet. Like, it's yep. just, yeah, it's, some of the guys don't have pictures. Like, it's just, yeah, they, they really got to step it up, because even the salaries are ridiculous. Like, like we said at the start, there was an infl- inflation rate, but nothing happened with the salary caps. I think Kyron Moore at 7,800 is probably your first like high-end option that you want to consider. Nick Dembski is another nice option. Let's see, is Quan Bray, is he doing anything? Yep, he, he's starting to wake up. He's a good option. Um, uh, I like I like Darvin Adams. He's been oh, he's yeah. had a slightly quieter year, but he's still been pretty solid. He'll get you he's a consistent. good amount of points. Yep. Uh, uh Bake, I like. He's not consistent, but I mean, with Lawler out, he'll put up points. BJ Cunningham, another good one. Rashid Bailey. Yep, we got Rashid him. Bailey is a sleeper pick. He's solid. Oh, yeah. um, if Man- if McKnight gets into the lineup, that's a really good value pick because if you're going for some of the higher, like you know, if you're going with McLeod Bethel Thompson and McKnight cracks the roster, that's a twenty five hundred dollar receiver. Yeah. And let's see, Tim White, another good option. Let's see. Uh, Oh, I Bird, had to go Birdman's with hurt. Never mind. Dunbar so might got, not be a bad one. Uh, I have uh, Ricardo Lewis in my lineup right now, and Janarian Grant. He'll probably be removed once Neiman comes in, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. yeah, they they gotta update this. They really <laughs> do. Have, um, ooh, wait, I have Shy Ross in my uh, in my team as my flex. I'm gonna take that out right away, and I'm just gonna flip him for uh, for Linnaeus right now. Nice. I feel like that's smart. Lenius is actually um less than uh than Shyros. Oh really? Wow. Yep. All right. That's like, and he's at home. He's at home this week too, so yeah. he should have a good game. I, I'm adding Lenius as well. I'm just looking at this. I'm gonna. I, I like stand back too much to not have him in my lineup, so I gotta figure that one out later. But and then let's jump into value picks. Let me just get the right thing up here. I'm just looking. Wolitarski, no. The only, there's only a handful of real value picks left. Ricardo Lewis. 
Yeah, twenty five hundred. Just looking. Is there anybody else? Let's see. Uh, said McKnight is playing. If he's playing, keep an if eye. If he's for playing, him. okay. Yeah. If yeah, all right. Because um, I'm not sure if um, like I'm assuming Naaman Roosevelt's going to be ready, but in case he's not, McKnight's most likely who they're going to grab. Well, there we oh. go. And let's see, Dijon Brissett, no. Oh, uh, I mean, a real, real quiet pick could be uh, Justin McInnes. Uh, apparently, he's going to crack the roster this week. Oh, yeah. uh, it looks like Picton's going to be banged up and out this week. So, yeah, they're going to slot McInnes in for him. Sean Bain of Calgary quietly had a good week. So, if you're looking for another cheap option as well as Ricardo Lewis, both those guys are potentially cheap options if you're looking for them at receiver. And defense, you had to pick one, honestly, you missed the boat with Toronto. Uh, I don't really <laughs> see, unless you really want to spend big with Winnipeg's defense, I don't think there's any real value to be had on defense. Yeah, I agree with you. So let's jump into our pick which, hold on, for some reason it's missing now. For me, at least. Oh, wait, no, it's just down in the wrong spot. Okay. We all had Toronto, so we all got a free dub. I'm 13 and 6. I've got Winnipeg beating Elks, Sask beating Calgary, Montreal beating the Red Blacks, and then I've got Hamilton beating Toronto. Yeah, we're. I mean, we're sitting pretty close again this week. Uh, yeah, I got Toronto right so far. Uh, Winnipeg over Edmonton, Saskatchewan over Calgary, Montreal over Ottawa. But I am going Toronto over Hamilton. Um, I think it was a really good motivator tonight, and uh, like their offense didn't have to work too hard to get that win tonight. So uh, I think they'll be in all right shape, and they could win against Hamilton. I'm going Toronto. Obviously, to start, we all went Toronto. We made sure that we were all honest with each other. To start out the uh, to start out the week, um, I'm going Winnipeg, Sask, Montreal, just like you guys. But I'm going with Hamilton for the last game. I think that uh, I think that Hamilton's just going to be able to come out with the fire. I don't know something about it. I don't really have a real reason for it. I just that's <laughs> just what I'm thinking. Fair enough. Now let's jump into our COVID activities. I have. Been playing after the World War Three closed alpha test. The Battlefield 2042 beta just came out today, so I've been playing a bit of that, and honestly, it's been okay. the The UI is a bit clunky, but otherwise, I I like it. Is surprisingly, for the most part, World War Three's better. Uh, alpha was a bit better, but. I mean, the gunplay in 2042 is really nice, but there's just a lack of customization there for me. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, my activity so far, I uh, watched the uh, Many Saints of Newark the other day. It's a Soprano sequel, sequel movie, or prequel, sorry, and it was, uh, some people don't like it. I didn't mind it. It uh, had, its, had its good, really good moments, and uh, saw Venom 2, which was good. And uh, the season finale of What If was this morning. So I got up nice and early at 5.30 to watch that. And uh, yeah, that was great. So looking forward to next season. Um, for myself, I have the Dolphin emulator on my PC. It allows you to play old Wii and GameCube games. 
So I just had a huge nostalgia kick. All of us were sat here watching me play NFL Street 2. <laughs> it is yep. oh, one of my favorite. That and MLB Power Pros were my two favorite games growing up as a kid. So just the fact that I could have those back. And honestly, it's pretty, like, it's still pretty good. Still plays really well. True. Yeah, you, even watching you play NFL Street there, I was like, okay, I got to find an emulator too now. Yeah, like, it's this, yeah. like, Dolphin is the one to go for. It's super simple to set up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I believe that wraps up the show. Thank you for listening. Again, you can find us on social media at True North CF Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and True North Canadian Football Podcast on Facebook. You can listen to the show on YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcast. I have been your host, Jimmy Leach, the True North Canadian Football Podcast, signing off.